0: It's time for love talk with the loveladies Kathy, Carrie and Marley.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the love, ladies, and we are here with you this morning. It is just an amazing time here in Texas and across the nation. We're here on the Bridge Austin Central Texas Christian Talk, where we are building bridges of love and leadership. I am here in studio today with my beautiful co-host. It's great to be back together again. I was out last week, but great to be back. And hello, Marlene. Well- Welcome. Good to see you today. Well, good morning. Thank you for putting our program together today.
2: Most welcome. I'm very excited about this program and I think the audience is
1: going to love it. It's Father's Day, so that's what we're discussing Mm -hmm. today. And good morning, Kathy. How are you today?
3: I'm doing well, Coach Carrie Brinkater. It's great to be with you ladies. I love that we are having this amazing dad in for our Father's Day program, and we have a lot of questions. So I love it when three ladies get together, put a guy in the hot seat, to <laughs> have a lot of questions. And I just love the testimony that we're going to hear today. Friends, I think it's just going to encourage your socks off.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Kathy and Marlene, you guys um, obviously took the reins last week and um, had a phenomenal program about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. What a great program it was. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. You
3: know, coach Kerry, while you were out having fun, we were in studio having more fun. I know this father's day program. (laughs) I I love it. Oh, it was such a great program. And, um, you know, I, we definitely now it's kind of a, a really new time with Love Talk Radio because the gal who started Love Talk over 38 years ago, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, um, she passed away and she's no longer with us, but boy, we are having so much fun just stepping into the legacy that she has built in Central Texas Christian Talk Radio and just, uh, you know, bringing Jesus across the airwaves and having three gals and all their amazing guests just have fun talking about love walking and love talking with Jesus in the times that he has placed us in. And I do want to make a very special invitation to all of our listening friends who have been listening some for the past 38 years Mm -hmm. with Mrs. Evelyn Davison and some that, you know, maybe you've joined us in the last few years Um, But on Sunday, excuse me, on Saturday, July the 1st, there is going to be a memorial service at First Baptist Church in Pflugerville, and it's actually First Baptist Church Pflugerville uh, at 2 p.m., and the family just wants to extend a welcome invitation to anyone who would want to come to that memorial service to honor Mrs. Evelyn Davison.
1: You know, Miss Evelyn, the last time I saw her, the first thing she said to me was, I'm so ready to see Jesus. And so <laughs> I'm so thankful that Miss Evelyn is with Jesus. She's so yes. ready. Um, well over 90 years old. Um, and she just set a path for us, Kathy and Marlene, that is unparalleled. What a mentor yes. she lived and breathed scripture. She lived and breathed Jesus. As soon as you walked into a room with Miss Evelyn, you felt the spirit of the Lord around you. There was just joy. There, it, mm-hmm. I, I cannot explain it. Every single time I walked into studio with Miss Evelyn, it, it was just sheer joy. And um, she brought everything back to the Lord, everything back to scripture. And although our earthly selves obviously um, miss miss evelyn i 'm so thankful for the kingdom and that she 's with her creator
3: yeah I, I agree i miss Evelyn, she had an acrostic for joy j o y is <laughs> Jesus over you, and I mean, I, I think that is just right. She walked out her life with Jesus, says her eyes on him. And um, and then she had a second acrostic that she shared for joy is Jesus, others, you. And one of the things that I just loved so much about her is she enjoyed people and mm-hmm. she just wanted people to know Jesus. And she had a way of sharing these really deep kingdom truths in the most simple, memorable ways. And she would always tell me now, Kathy. You hold on to that rope of hope, that rope of hope. You just hold on to him. That's Jesus, your rope of hope. And I think she just held on to Jesus throughout her life, just overcoming some incredible challenges with a, um, a speaking disorder that the Lord got her through. Only to open doors for her to walk through to speak to presidents and governors and thousands of people in conferences across the nation and on this radio program across the airwaves. Uh, and I just think it's just amazing what the Lord does when we just keep our eyes on him. We keep a willing heart and we just step into the the, the position that he has planned for us. And Evelyn was just the most amazing example of a, a, a woman who said yes each and every day to Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're gonna miss her, but I'm so thankful for what she left us and what she left um, our listening friends. So, yes. well, we will have more about Miss Evelyn in the in the programs to come. But today, let's turn our hearts to. Um, our program. Now, Marlene, let's do a little recap of last week's program because that was kind of part one of turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. And you talked a great deal about God adopting us into his family.
2: Absolutely. You know, the, the amazing thing about God is his heart is already tor- turned toward his children. That's mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and the children to the fathers, the children would turn their hearts to the fathers. Mm-hmm. So, so, really, the very first step is realizing and recognizing the fact that God has already adopted us into his family. Yeah. And our job is to turn our hearts toward him and then repeat that in our own families. So that's, that's what this Father's Day program is all about. Mm. And I'd like to read uh, 1 John 3, 1, which says, See what the love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that neat? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure neat is a very spiritual word, but but it's neat. That's deep. (laughs) Uh, And then also in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because we are his sons. God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, the spirit who calls Abba, Father, So we are no longer slaves, but God's children. Since we are his child, God has made us also an heir. Mm. So we're not just, you know, kind of uh, the wallpaper in the room. Mm -hmm. God has made us sons and heirs.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Carrie, you weren't here last week. I wasn't. So tell us what that means to you. Okay, so I, I thought about that quite quite deeply um, when I saw that you were going to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean to me to be a daughter and a full heir of the King of Kings? Well, first, obviously, I want to go back to that First John verse, 1 John 3, 1, and it says that that is who we are. It's our identity. That's my identity as a daughter of the King, and for years... You know, I, I think I really struggled with that in my adult life, especially after I got out of college coaching. I still would, enter, you know, at some point in a conversation, find a way to be like, oh, well, you know, I was a college basketball coach. Like, like that identified <laughs> who I was, right? No, no, I am a daughter of the king. That is. Is my identity and that is who I am and I came to understand that this is not only a gift and a blessing right but this is also a responsibility it's a responsibility and I I look at uh, first Corinthians 6 verse 18 and it says and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty Wow That is a huge responsibility to be a daughter of the king. And going along with that responsibility means that I will honor him with what I say and what I do. And so, you know, I just, I wanted to put some words to this. And for me, being a daughter of the king means that I'm found. He found me. He loves me. I'm chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm cherished. And I think most importantly, I'm known. Every single part of me is known. Amen. Does anybody else in this world know every, really know every single part of me? Not even my husband. Right? And I just, that is the true identity that we have. So thank you for asking me that because <laughs> I really, um, I'm so passionate about That being my identity now, that nothing else defines me, but being a daughter of the king really defines me. Everything else is just a a little part of who I am. This is my true identity.
2: You know, and I think you talked about being known, and I go back to the the verse in the Old Testament about Hagar, that God sees her. Yes. You know this uh, this downtrodden woman. God sees her and He mm-hmm. knows her, and mm-hmm. and that is amazing. What do what do our children cry out for today? That they are seen, mm-hmm. that they are known,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that they are loved. Mm-hmm. And that's what God does. Yeah. So, Kathy, what was your takeaway?
3: Oh my goodness, from last week, just one. I have to choose just one. That's crazy, Marlene. <laughs> yes, because you know? we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would say this. God does not do anything halfway. And mm. I, I say this because, uh, so I, I'm adopted. My um, stepdad, he adopted me. And he adopted me fully, not just on paper, Um, not just for, um, you know, financially to say, okay, I'm taking care of this one, but he adopted me With his whole heart, Mm. he did not do it halfway. God, and just like God, God does not do things halfway. That when He adopts us, He adopts us all the way. He doesn't just take us into His family and say, "Okay, well, here are my children, but you're the slave in my household." No, Mm. He doesn't do that. We are not, we are not brought into or, or or purchased into His household as slaves. We are purchased into His household with the blood of Christ. As his children, completely co-heirs with Christ. I just that just blows me away, and that God has such compassion on us that He would He would just reach down and pull us up out of the muck and mire and wash us clean and uh, just make us His delight. It's mm-hmm. nothing halfway with God, and and so I just love it. And you know I love. Marlene, that you referenced this scripture in Galatians 4. It says that the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. That So not only did he purchase us and redeem us and clean us and make us co-heirs with Christ, but that he placed his Holy Spirit in us, that we're able to just love the way that he loves, know truth the way that he knows truth, and cry out to him, Abba, Father, it just—it is amazing to me the the love and the grace and the mercy that our Father pours mm. out on us.
2: Well, the thing is that Abba, Father, has really two meanings. One, it's a—it's a term of endearment, Abba, um, mm-hmm. but it's also a term of obedience and and mm-hmm. that you honor mm-hmm. Him as the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that it's exactly the same term that jesus cried out to his father in his darkest hour at the Mm -hmm. at the garden of gethsemane so Mm -hmm. you know you were talking about god you're not um a slave you're not cinderella in the house right (laughs) you (laughs) are a full heir and you can you have the ability to cry out to abba father yeah Mm -hmm. so we are fast losing our first segment so i want to get us um Carrie, would you mind reading the two verses um, that we want to focus on today?
1: Absolutely. Our key verses, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. And then Luke one verses thirteen through seventeen. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice over his birth, for he will be the he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. While still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And today when we return, friends, to Love Talk, we'll discuss the importance of fathers and visit with an amazing dad. And he's got a lot of wisdom to share with us, friends. You don't want to miss this. We'll be back with our special guest, Patrick, Patrick Blunt, when we return to Left Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You're listening here on The Bridge, Austin. Today's Christian Talk Radio, 101.1 FM, 1120 AM. You know, I was really remiss. I didn't even introduce myself in the first segment. I'm Coach Carrie Keri <laughs> Um So, yeah, this loud voice here, Coach Carrie Brinkader, great to have you with us. And, of course, I'm in studio with my amazing co-hosts, Kathy Enderbrock and Marlene McMichael. And happy Father's Day to all of our Fathers out there, all right, Marlene. You have brought us a longtime friend of yours um, and a very special guest today, Patrick Blunt. Let's hear all about him. All right. Well, I am very
2: excited about this I guest, and um, his story is riveting, and yes. so I'm I um, I'm really excited to introduce him to all of our listeners. Patrick Blunt has been a lo- has had a long career in the world of finance and real estate. He began as a licensed real estate agent in Houston, Texas in 1976. He soon transitioned to a focus on the loan industry and in all he has been involved in billions of dollars of real estate and real estate debt transactions to include deals in every state in the US as well as Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, Spain, Sorry, Italy and uh, Germany, currently, Patrick is also the Director of Finance for life Surge and we 're all a little bit familiar with Life yeah. Surge because we had an event here in Austin area, a, which is a one day gathering that incorporates worship and stories of faith and teaching to give Christians tools for financial freedom. The organization 's stated mission is to inspire, transform, and equip people to surge their lives god 's way. Patrick spent much of his life with a strong dislike for the church, with plenty of money and success. He often lived in what he self describes as the fast lane, which eventually led to personal and financial disaster and I think financial disaster a couple of different times, right Patrick <laughs>
0: uh,
2: that's right and and it was his wife's persistence to find a church and his love for his family, which eventually led Patrick to encounter with God in 1999 at the age of 46. And in very short order, his entire family followed suit, and their life purpose became serving the Lord Jesus. Patrick and his beautiful wife, Vicki, have been married for over 40 years and now have two sons and four grandchildren. In June of 2000, Patrick and Vicki's middle son, 17-year-old Tyler, died in a rodeo accident. And this horrific, life-changing event led Patrick to form and operate the Tyler Blunt Memorial Foundation for 15 years. So welcome to Love Talk, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what Patrick is up to today in in uh, your professional career as well as um, I know you're got some other things going on as well
4: yeah I'm, I've seemed to stay busy uh, I've been uh, with you know raising funds for capital for life surge and so that's really been exciting to go to the events and uh, really get re-energized and so it's, it's nice to get to do that um, I'm going to be 70 this August And I don't see retirement anywhere in the future, so I'm having fun.
2: Good. Excellent.
1: Can you, Patrick, can you share, you know, your testimony is incredible. You found the Lord in 1999, and then in 2000, your son tragically passed away. And I think for me, when I read that, as a new Christian, I might have had quite a few... um, Ah, questions for the lord at that at that moment but can you share what initially drew you to god and how you came to know jesus
4: um yeah well uh, we uh shortly after Vicky and i got married uh her mother was killed in a house fire We mm. uh, lived in a small town in mississippi and i'd really never known anyone that had had that close that had, had died and I saw the, the church, uh, heard their church, thousands of people came by the house, they came by the funeral home for days and lifted this family. And, um, i never seen anything like it without church in my life, uh, or knowing people really close that died. And so, um, maybe grandparents, but, um, uh, two years later, dad died. The same thing happened. Just just unbelievable how they how uh they carried this family, and so I thought, maybe I need uh a church or a lord like uh, insurance policy if something <laughs> happened to me uh that they take that my family would be taken care of or looked after. Mm. never did I ever think for one second I needed Jesus Christ in my life uh I was in control of my life as haphazard as it could be but I was in, I felt in control of it and I, and I didn't see anything wrong with that and, and you know you find you hear a lot of stories about people who find Christ when at the depths of their despair or, or something bad happens but it didn't happen that way with me it happened where I've got three teenage sons they're kind of being wild and I think well I did a good job of tra- training them right they just watched me Mm-hmm. and uh, I really felt like there's got to be more to this um, and with the persistence of Vicki uh, and we tried church after church uh, which none of them uh, I didn't have, I just didn't want to do it and um, I, I said you can't push somebody to the Lord you have to be led and uh, I was uh, led plenty of times but I was afraid to drink the water and uh, for uh, I guess concerned of what it would taste like,
0: yeah. and what it,
4: would, what, what it would do to my life, and uh, in, in, the, in the way the life I thought I had to live. So those things were what led up to probably being uh, fertilized for that. And um, when we went to a church um, that we, you know I didn't want to go to uh, again, and sat on the back row, but I. The one thing the pastor said uh, when the first Sunday I was there was the man has to be the spiritual leader of the family. Mm. And I think men abdicated that role in, in my generation. That moms be, became the one to take their children to church. Mom became dad would go hunting, play golf, whatever they might do, but they didn't go to church. And uh, and I think that um, as, as men, I think we, we try to to be like our dads when we think we do it on.
3: Mm. Wow. You know, I, I love that, that you recognize, you know, as men, you do try and be like your dads, and so you had some sons, and you said that they were wild because, you know, they were keeping their eyes on you, and you had kind of taught them well, and I, what I would really like to know, Patrick, is when you were saved... Um, You know, you you talk about that your salvation really brought changes to your habits and life in general, which I think is just such a a true sign of salvation, is that not only do we get that peace and that joy that surpasses all understanding, but then that translates straight into our lives and we see changes. I would like for you to share with us what, what changes did you see that salvation brought and what kind of impact did that have on your sons?
4: Um, I I think prior to being saved, we knew, had for Christian friends. So when things would go, when you uh, have a problem or something bad, you'd call that Christian friend and say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray? And they would pray out loud. And I didn't know how to do that. I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I didn't feel qualified to do that. And the thing that started to change for me almost immediately was to be able to Say a prayer, even it was just a prayer over a meal. Say a prayer in front of my children. Because they hadn't heard that. They hadn't seen me do that. And, uh, and then go from a prayer over a meal to your child to actually saying a prayer with your child or for your child, uh, or for your family or for someone else. Um, those things I didn't know how to do. I knew how to speak in public, but I didn't know how to speak about my faith in private much less public
1: it's mm, amazing, so you know Patrick, you said um you and your family moved to Guthrie, Oklahoma, Um, and every time, so, and the second person you met when you moved to Oklahoma was the Baptist preacher in town, and um, every time you saw him over the next five years, he invited you to church, every single time, and I'm I'm sure in Guthrie, Oklahoma, you probably passed by the preacher pretty much every other day in town.
4: I I saw him a lot, and he had a couple of different (laughs) churches, so... uh, and so you know, I, I think what maybe uh, my dad, you know, uh, saying, "Hey, we're not going to be a Baptist. All they want is your money. We're not going to be this. All they want is your money. We don't have, we don't have any of that. So we we just didn't do it. And, and not that my dad was a bad guy. He wasn't at all. He just that wasn't. He was raised in a in a Baptist family. And I guess whatever happened, I don't know. But he it wasn't it wasn't even a, up for discussion. Mm-hmm. And so we just. You no, know, a generational. Do it again, and um, so what the pastor did, though he kept, you know, kept inviting me and didn't give up. And I asked Vicki, I said, does he get a commission? <laughs> and I, I said, so what's the big? Why does he care? And um, and so I did go, finally go, and I did sit on the back row, and he and he did. He did, you know, talk about being a spiritual leader, but also this this particular church invited testimony. And when I saw other men give up and give a testimony of what Jesus Christ had done in their lives, for me, it's like, wow, if he can do that, if that can happen to him, I could probably do that, too. And so we moved up a couple rows, <laughs> and I got where I, I lip synced the songs a couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> you know, before I could do that. And so uh, we were pretty close to the front row when the Sunday I got up and they, they called an altar call, and, and I grabbed Vicky's hand and we walked forward. Mm.
0: Wow.
2: So what was yeah, your what was yeah. the response of your sons? Because were they in church that Sunday as well?
4: They were. They were. I'm sure they were. Uh, who knows? I don't really. I can I, I don't really know what they thought. You know what? That's a great question. I've never asked that.
2: Question. <laughs> well, um, I know you um, shared a story about I, uh, this that, recording. I had to go.
4: I had to go then. Mm. And, and I and I tell you, and I tell people this before, they may not believe it. I spoke at my son's funeral. Walking up to that altar to accept Christ was more difficult.
3: Wow! Wow! Wow!
4: Wow. I, th- I think because uh, you had Satan keeping you in your seat, I really believe that.
1: I do too. Yeah.
4: It, it was the hardest thing I ever did to walk forward.
1: He, Satan, seems to put cement in your shoes whenever you know you move, need to move. Yeah. You know, yeah. he has a way of of weighing you down to the point where you think you can't move. But you did the bravest uh, thing you've ever done in your life by going, you know what, I'm going to take this step with my family, with my wife. I got to say, you must be married to an amazing woman because um, her persistence to, you know, just love you through um, everything and just keep – uh, honoring you and saying, you know what, hey, hey, honey, let's go to church, um, you know. No,
4: you can't, you can't force it. You, no. You, I mean, you can, like I said, you can lead the horse all the way up there, but you cannot force it. And, and yeah. I knew that with my kids, I couldn't force either. They were, you know, at that time, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to go force them to do something at that point. You couldn't force them to make their bed, much less could you force them to go to church.
2: Mm-hmm. So talk
4: about so, yeah, talk. They, a, had to, they had to see by example.
2: Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about what they saw as the example and what, because I know your sons came to the Lord and were baptized not very long after you. So, talk a little bit about what what changes they saw, not only saw, but what how that impressed them.
4: Well, my son Tyler was in, in a in the, my truck with a friend of his and he didn't know the phone had i guess butt dialed and made a recording and he was telling his friend he said i don't know what's going on with my parents he said, we used to go to church three times a year now we go three times a week <laughs> and the other boy said they didn't quit drinking did they my son and my son said not yet but i'm afraid they're going to
0: <laughs> so
4: uh, Tyler's Tyler probably was more vocal about it, and he's not wasn't vocal about much, but he was more vocal about what's going on. He wanted the Lord in his life. Mike accepted it very yes, but he wanted all his friends were in church, and he wanted to be part of that. But Tyler said, "You know what? You're 46, 47 years old. I'm 17. I don't I've even lived my life yet. I want to have fun. And you're telling me now that I can't even drink a beer someday." And so the day he accepted Christ, he'd gone up to the church, and on a snow day, nobody was there. And he told the pastor, he said, "Maybe the day I'd do this." He says, "But am I? Can I still be a Christian if I drink a beer sometime?" And the pastor said, "Yeah, you probably do that. <laughs> it's okay." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that's what the kids were thinking. I think is that, uh, well they're just kids. Let them teenagers, and, and I'm, I'm asking them, or I'm. I'm not asking them anything. I did never, I never asked them to do anything. All I did was change my my life, and the biggest change in my life was praying, and and praying, a lot, praying out loud, and and witnessing to people. Uh, the Sunday uh, that I accepted Christ, the pastor came by the house the next Monday and said uh, how excited he was, and he said, "You know, um, I'd like you to give it your testimony." Uh, in church, uh, I thought he said someday, and uh, I said, "Yeah, sometime on a Tuesday, maybe, but no one's there." he <laughs> so Said, "I didn't say someday. I said Sunday, next Sunday." And I thought, Wow! Uh, he said, "You've been speaking your, your most of your life. You can do this." And I said, well, I haven't been speaking about my faith, and so I wrote out my testimony, and I got up the following Sunday and gave my testimony, and and wow, nothing ever felt to this day more freeing than that moment.
0: Wow, wow.
4: To to admit in front of a, a, a group of people that uh, I that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior, mm. and and I've encouraged it to everyone I see since, but uh. I think te- if it wasn't for testimony, I probably never would have done that. If it wasn't, if it wasn't seeing other men get up and do that, if it had been a pastor, had it been anything else but, but just regular people, I probably uh, couldn't have done it. And once you let yourself feel that, it, it changed everything else.
3: Wow, Patrick, I love that you said if you hadn't seen other men mm-hmm. give their testimony, that you would not have been able to give yours. And I just wonder how many men, when they make that same statement, are talking about Patrick Blunt, that when we go and share our testimony, it is life-changing. When we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and just share about the character of God with others, something just amazing Happens not only in our heart, but in the work, the work of the Spirit in other people's hearts, and it, it's a life-changing. And I'll, I, I just I love that you share that and and make that point because it is so clear. And I also love that you talk about praying out loud because Coach Carrie and Marlene know this. That is very dear to my heart that as Christians it is wonderful to pray. It is wonderful to pray in our closets. It's wonderful to have that intimate relationship with the Lord but it is life changing to pray out loud with your family, with with your spouse, with your With your children, with those in the church, with the person at HEB who's struggling. It is, I think, praying out loud with others is the greatest encouragement and greatest way that we can share Jesus and and share his work in the everyday with those around us.
4: I
1: agree. Mm -hmm. So, Patrick, you said, tell us a little bit more about this praying. You said you started praying at the dinner table. Okay, that's amazing. And then did you just resort to grabbing your child and, and you know, <laughs> saying a prayer over him before he left the house? Well, or how would that work for you?
4: We would pray about anything. It's always somebody has some, some stress in their life or something, and we'd mm-hmm. pray for those things. And we'd pray to – we'd just pray to give thanks, mm-hmm. not always to ask for something. That's what I – I'd heard someone say at one church one time is that they only is that if you want to be happy with your prayers, pray for uh, just give thanks and you'll be happy with the result of your prayer. Mm -hmm. If you want ask for something, you're not going to may not get what you asked for. But uh, I I really started working toward that. But um, I would pray with him, and then of course Tyler uh, was a rodeo guy, so gave me a lot of opportunity to pray for him. You know, at times that he wasn't. A fearless rodeo guy. He was a guy that you know, had some fears and things. So we we prayed about those things. We prayed about I don't know what we didn't pray about, quite frankly.
2: Wow. <laughs> well, talk talk about Tyler a little more, and um, you know, did all three of your sons um, rodeo? Because I know you he did. did. Our-
4: I did not, and when, when they were born, uh, I wore a suit every day. They never they didn't see me riding horses and doing rodeo stuff as a teenager and young person. That's all I ever wanted to do, but you know, once I needed to pick a paycheck, that was certainly wasn't it. And uh, so they weren't, but Tyler, from probably two years old on, he, he had a cowboy hat on every day. All he ever wanted to do was be a you know, in rodeo. And he started, so we moved to Oklahoma really to raised the boys out in the country we're living in dallas and uh he started uh riding calves at age seven Uh, wow but he was he was not fearless he was very fearful he would it would paralyze him almost he'd be so scared and the first time he ever rode a calf he was in the shoot and getting, getting ready to get on the calf, he says, "Wait a minute!" He, he said, "I got to go say goodbye to mom one more time." And he jumps, climbs out of the shoot, runs across the arena, goes and hugs his mom. Oh my goodness! Wow! So, wow. He, he wasn't, uh you no, know, he wasn't what you and think of when you think of a cowboy being a bull rider or a bronc rider that there is fearless because he he was not, but he still did it. Something pushed him to still do it, and so. Uh, that's what he wanted that's the that's the the thing he was thrilled to do. The other two eh, not really not at all. The youngest one did it once, and then uh, Matt never did it at all. so uh, that's fine. they were they were good at other other things, and so just so happens I have to be i have have to be something I like to do. so we did spend a lot of time together doing that.
0: talk
2: a little bit about that day and and the impact um his death has uh, had um okay on because i i think once you told me that uh tyler has brought more people to the lord in his death. Well,
0: he,
4: he did so that the the day this last day he was alive um it was the last day of the rodeo season he was, he was in the high school finals and you know all the they were you had to be in the top ten to get there and <sighs> And he'd been to a rodeo school a month before and and said he thought maybe the Bronck ride wasn't it for him. They, they're kind of going to do something different. And um, on the way home to the rodeo, on the way we pulled up to the rodeo school, he said, uh, well, he said, Dick Deke Latham Memorial Arena. He said, I'd love to have a name my name on an arena. That's cool. I said, well, you don't want Memorial by it. He said, well, if something ever happens to me, I want it. On the way home, we're listening to a song, a George Strait song. And my, my wife said, I don't like that song, Amarillo by Morning. And he says, my favorite song. He said, matter of fact, I want it played at my funeral.
3: <laughs>
4: wow. And I don't want an open casket. I mean, here he is, 17 new talks like that, you know. And so the last day of the of the rodeo, um, we he was really nervous and we went back and we prayed over the horse we found the horse he was going to ride that night the bucking horse and we prayed over it and I asked God to take away his fear and to um, just help him relax and be safe and you will get through this, and he immediately became uh, quiet and, and uh, but re- uh, relaxed and had fun with his friends and talking and, and which is not a big Tyler thing to do. And so we were getting on the he was getting on the horse in the bucking chute. I'm on the front of the chute helping him. He looks at me and said, "Don't worry, Dad. You gotta take care of me. Mm. Wow,
2: wow. That was
4: the last words he spoke. And had we would not. Gone forward that day in church to accept Christ; those words wouldn't have come out of his mouth.
0: Amen.
4: And those words have kept us uh, lifted for twenty-three years now, mm. and and those words have in that have become part of my testimony. And that and it and I said Tyler has brought more people to Christ through his death, than he probably ever would have had in his life.
3: Mm. Wow. So Patrick, I want to get this timeline right. So you're saying that that Tyler accepted Christ that same day in church and that on, during the course of the day, he told you what song he wanted at his funeral, that when he saw his name, that having the word memorial after it, that that was what he wanted and that the last words he spoke to you were that don't worry, dad, that, uh, that, that God will take care right. of me. I mean, that, that all happened in the same day.
4: No, no ma'am uh the okay. we i accepted christ in september and sometime in the winter he accepted christ
3: mm. oh okay so it
4: didn't happen immediately but but by his thinking had progressed that much in that period of time from from when he accepted christ in in january february to march or may when he was in rodeo school till june when he was in the, on the last last mm-hmm. time he rode you know <laughs> uh so it, it changed it's given us a peace that that you could never have any other way.
1: Amen. Wow. Friends, we'll have more with Patrick Blunt when we return to Love Talk. I just, uh, you know, when God gets a hold of your life, He gets a hold of it, and this is a true testimony of what Christ can do in our lives, friends. More with Patrick Blunt and bringing our hearts, bringing our father's hearts to our children. When we return to Love Talk, right after this. And welcome
3: back, friends. You're listening to Love Talk on the Bridge, Austin. Today's Christian Talk, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I'm Kathy Indebrock, and here today with my beautiful co-host, Marlene McMichael and Coach Carrie Brinkater, with our incredible guest, Patrick Blunt, talking about Father's Day today, friends. And I just love this program. If you've missed our first two segments, you can go to our podcast at Love Talk, all one word, uh, and you can get the entire program on our podcast. You can also go to our lo- our archives at lovetalknetwork.com and get the program there, and you can share that with friends. Well, Marlene, I love this program that you've done um, that you said you once believed that there are two kinds of fathers and i'd like you just just to briefly explain that and then i know that you have a, a question for patrick as we're in our last segment well actually i think that's patrick
2: believes there's two kinds of fathers yeah. he he told me that one time and um uh, yeah. and so i thought i'd let him share mm-hmm. that just real quick okay yeah i last father's day i,
4: I was thinking uh father's day and and uh And thinking, you know, there's really only two kinds of fathers, those that their kids want to emulate and those that their kids would never want to emulate. Mm. And uh, the kind of father you are to your children, uh, you don't have a book or a guide or anything. You just go, go from the day they're born. And I think the type of father you are changes from five years old to nine years old to fifteen years old, and they may think you're the best guy in the world at ten, and they may think you're the worst guy in the world at nineteen. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
4: but we do get judged by our children on what type of father we were, and hopefully, uh, if we stay in the game long enough, they'll they'll uh, want to be emulate the good the good traits we had. Uh, but we don't get to vote, and the vote isn't tallied until we're gone. <laughs> and so uh, it's interesting.
2: Well, the neat thing is you can't be a good father uh, to the fullest extent unless you know Jesus. And um, that certainly is present in your life. And, and so I'm I'm really grateful for that. And, and I'm sure your sons are as well.
1: You know, Patrick, you said that the hardest thing you ever did was um, step out of that pew on a Sunday morning and go accept Christ. You had to let go of your pride and all the, I guess, misconceptions that you had about the church and just realize that it was about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what mattered. And um, about a year later, you have to walk up and speak at your son's funeral. And um, you said that was easier than um, stepping out of that pew that day. And you started uh, the Tyler Blunt Memorial Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that foundation?
4: Well, the, after the rodeo the night when he was killed, a lot of they took a lot of donations up, and they came by the house with some cash money and trying to help, and money was coming in various things. But the Monday we, morning he was killed Saturday. Monday morning, I think even before we started planning a funeral. Uh, we, we formed the the foundation to put this money into, not really knowing what we we're going to do with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: but it was a dad fix-it thing. Maybe I can fix this by
0: mm-hmm.
4: build, doing a foundation. But uh, you know, you learn you, you you can't. But what it did do, it did give me the ability to tell this story over and over and over again. And so I didn't know how to ever know how I would ever witness to anyone. I couldn't imagine. I'm not going to knock on your door and say, do you know Jesus Christ? I'm not going to go up to complete strangers. Uh, it just wasn't me. But once th- we had the foundation we had and we started having some direction, I had to tell this story over and over. And in a business setting, I had to say, people say, well, how many kids do you have? You know, Where are you from? Are you married? How many kids do you have? Well, I could say three or I could say two. Three was the long answer. Two was the short answer. But if I said three, that the, and the middle one is is the now the youngest. But it, uh, I had to tell the story of what happened, and mm-hmm. that story cannot be told without Jesus Christ in it. You can't do it. And I found myself witnessing in almost every business situation I was in, two things happened. One, I couldn't believe how many Christians I met. Mm-hmm. Two, I couldn't believe that how many people I met that lost children. I didn't never even know knew they lost them. Mm-hmm. And they, could, they couldn't speak of them. So it really gave me a chance to witness. So when I say Tyler uh, saved more people in his death. Without that story, I wouldn't have, had, I wouldn't have been able to witness that. And uh, so Jesus put that in my life, uh, in Tyler's life, in our family life, because we've told the story so many times.
3: Mm-hmm. I love that you say his story cannot be told without Jesus Christ. Friends, I just pray that the same can be said about all of us. But
1: her story, his story, it cannot be told without Jesus Christ.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, okay, Patrick, are you writing a book? Are you telling this story in written form?
4: I am. And I, I, uh, I've been encouraged for a long time. And I, I've written a lot of single page, maybe two page uh, stories about usually around Tyler's birthday or anniversary of his death. I'll publish something, post something. And I get tremendous feedback from it, from people saying that it helped them through what whatever period I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tears still come after 23 years. They mm-hmm. mean different things mm-hmm. uh, at different times. Uh, the the what Jesus Christ in your life doesn't change, but that does change in, in that so I've been encouraged by many people to to write a book um, I looked at my driver's license in the age and I thought, you know i probably better get this going <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I think I wrote enough to just to satisfy that feeling I had and it would it would work but i I really I did not want to go to where i had to go i actually started about 10 days ago and i didn't want to go where i knew i had to go mm. and uh it was everything i thought and more difficult than i ever dreamed mm. to go through the the re- writing and retelling uh really of, of that night and that and that day of the, of the next days but mm-hmm. uh i'm it's just coming together nicely um, I wanted to. I thought I could be through in ten days. Uh, that's me. Uh, but it's going to take a while. But I am. Uh, I am interviewing my sons next week, both about what that would happen to them in that, which I've never done before. I've never talked to them about this oh, that.
2: that wow. one will be interesting. We'll have to say a prayer yeah. about that one.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
4: Vicky has written uh, every every uh, Christmas Eve, she writes a, a letter and puts it in a stocking.
1: Oh, my goodness.
4: And I've never read one.
1: So mm.
4: I'm really excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading what she wrote and what happened in her life as well because you think you're there and trying to help other people as a father. You think you're going to be the leader. You think you're going to be the... Provide safety for people, for your kids. But, you know, I couldn't. And I couldn't for Tyler and I couldn't for my other sons. I couldn't do anything other than try to save myself and so it took years to get to the point that um, uh, I recognized where I, that I wasn't there when I nearly needed to be. Um, mm. However I was part of the I did get the arena built I did all those things the things that, that were easy compared to talking on a personal level and certainly on a spiritual
2: level. So you have an arena in your son's name? Yes excellent. Oh. That's wonderful wow
4: yep wow. he got what he asked for yeah you
2: mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. so th- do you have a title for this book
4: uh yes i do uh tears for ink
2: tears for ink okay so i'm i'm certain that we all want a copy when when it's finished absolutely and we yes. maybe get you back on the air then yeah
4: i uh there there's lots of uh, i know we don't use ink today but the tears are what write we're writing the book i promise
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. you know i'm just struck by so many things with you patrick and i think you know a couple of things that you've said really hit home as far as father's day is you know is concerned you know you use the term this was a dad fix it thing i think we've seen all that from i've seen that from my dad and my husband for sure trying to to fix things um and, you know, you also mentioned the testimonies, and i got to go back to that, the testimonies from men. And this is not a question that we had necessarily in our, in our questions for you today, but how important, Patrick, is it for men to be in community with other Christian men? How, how, I mean, that has been pivotal in your life.
4: No question. Yeah. you know i didn't have it for 46 years yeah i did not have that you know there and the men i met in the they don't they weren't just you know at my funeral at tyler's funeral i'm sorry uh a friend of mine that grew up in the catholic church he says how many pastors are in your church these eight different men spoke at this funeral and i said none of those guys are pastors Mm. Wow! And, and I said, "He said I'm in the wrong. I've been in the wrong religion."
0: He said, <laughs> no. he
4: said "I did not." And he said, I, "I cannot. I don't know the Lord like these people know the Lord." Wow! And um, and so that was that was the most powerful thing I think I've ever heard. Is that these just regular people, regular men, are up there telling their take on Jesus Christ and why you need your life, and without that how many children are never going to step there?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, my dad sort of didn't make me avoid church, but he taught me how to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his dad probably taught him the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
4: so that breaking that generational sin of, you know, it's not going to be that way this generation. Mm-hmm. And so my, my children know one thing about me. They know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian
0: mm-hmm. and they
4: know I believe in Jesus Christ. No matter how I act or what I do, they know that.
2: So tell us, uh, because we're running out of time, wrap up real quick. What is Father's Day and why is it critical that the hearts of the fathers turn toward the children? Mm.
4: Uh, You've got to, you know, like you said, Jesus already loves us and and we just got to, and if we believe that, we can love him back. And I think that's what it takes for your children. They have to know you love them and care about them as a father. And that uh, gives them the permission to love you back, this, hopefully, the same way.
1: Amen. That's beautiful. beautiful. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us today. Three ladies, um, and I'm in awe of you. And I thank you for so boldly uh, sharing your story today. And we wish you many, many blessings. Friends, from the ladies here at Love Talk, Coach Carrie Brinkater, Kathy Endebrock, and Marlene Michael, we love you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk. And happy Father's Day.
3: Happy Father's Day. <laughs> happy Father's
0: Day. <laughs>